me michael say hi lou hi see look at that we got new microphone setups new everything and we've come together to tell you that you can't get there if you don't know how nice <laughs> i almost went with you can't get there from here but i decided that didn't quite make sense that's still my favorite southernism ever my grandfather and i were lost in the middle of nowhere driving around and we knew where we knew the town we were trying to get to and this guy had a uh, those little corner stand selling stuff and we pulled over, and he's like, how do I get to so-and-so? He's like, oh, you can't get there from here. That's one of my favorite stories. I'm just like, what do you mean you can't? I was like nine in the passenger seat going, what do you mean you can't get there from here? You can get everywhere. Yeah. Do, do, I mean, do, are they off the map? And my grandfather doesn't miss a beat. He's like, okay, and the guy explains. And later on, I came to realize that you have to go to a, the road we were on doesn't get there. You have to go to another road to get there, but can't get there from here. <coughs> he was technically right. I mean, I, no, he's not technically right. No, I'm not giving the crazy redneck on the side of the highway the benefit of the doubt here. No. Well, you got to go to this street here and then take a left and a right and whatever. Right? I didn't count the teeth. I don't know. He doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. Okay. <laughs> See, lesson of the day. Nobody gets the benefit of the doubt today. Okay. All right. Struck a chord, did yes. we? Well, no, well, it's not just that. The topic we are addressing today demands. It demands and requires that no quarter be given. I don't know why I became English in the middle of that, but we did, and we're going to go with it. Okay. So what is he talking about? This will all make sense. This is going to be the only problem with this setup right now. We have new microphones set up, so now since I'm angled away from the computer, I can't point at the computer when I'm pointing at the audience, Uh so I'm looking at my microphone like they're the audience. Oh, he's pointing at me too. (laughs) I'm I'm cringing. (laughs) As you should, as you should. Romans chapter 5. So if you don't know what's in Romans chapter 5, you're listening to the wrong podcast. No, no I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Read, <laughs> read Romans. It will do you good. Paul has, in chapter 1, basically pl- proclaimed that the gospel saves, and it saves all, all, all sinners because, well, it saves sinners because all are sinners. All or what are what does judgment look like? It looks like Romans one. Mm-hmm. Just in case you thought, well, I know the law and I know the Old Testament, so I'm not like those Romans one people. Romans two is there to tell you, yes, even you too. Mm-hmm. Romans three is then there to point out that this sin that is encompassed by all of humanity has one outcome, and it's not good. <laughs> Romans four then starts breaking down how you access salvation. So this gospel that was mentioned in chapter 1, how is it accessed? And the answer is, of course, by faith. This is proven by Paul in the Old Testament. gives the example of Abraham and being credited as righteous through his faith rather than his work, so that Abraham is the father of the faithful. Thus leads you to Romans chapter 5. 
having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we are justified by faith, through whom we have also obtained our introduction by faith into this grace into which we stand, and we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope, and hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now, that leads us to the passage we would actually like to talk to you about today. I had to tell you that story so I could tell you this story. All right. So, for while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Time out. This gospel that God is working, this salvific plan of his operates on a schedule. Who is the timekeeper of this grand schedule? God alone. God alone. Right. Paul makes the same point in Galatians 4. When the fullness of time came, see, fullness of time, as in it wasn't full yet, but when it was full, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. See, this has always been one of those fun things for me, because this is one of those regress arguments that I love. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. Why? Why does it have to be a son? See, you have to understand something about Genesis 3. You have to understand something about the prophecies. You have to understand something about the kingdom. You have to understand about these pictures that are coming. To redeem those who are under the law. What law? <laughs> what's, yeah, exactly. what's a law? Which Why law? doesn't Jesus just flop down in the middle of yeah. Genesis 17 and we're done with this? Well, what's a law? See, the revel the, the I almost wanted to say revelating, and I don't even think that's a word. The revealing. See, don't make it complicated. Go. go with the kiss method. Yeah. Keep it simple, stupid. The revealing work of God is in time. Hence, in the fullness of time, Christ sent uh, God sent forth his son. Same point being made here in Romans. While we were still helpless, so while we were under sin, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, two words in that sentence tell you the same thing. Helpless and ungodly. He's talking about you. Yes. And for everybody who's going, who? You. Yes. You. You, 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 you. Don't look behind you. I'm not talking to the other guy. I'm talking to you. He's talking to you. You are the helpless and ungodly, dead in your trespasses and sins, as Ephesians, 4, uh, Ephesians 2 would put it. Lost in the de degradation of your flesh. You. You, 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 you. He's also talking about me, 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 me. But right. since I'm the one talking, I get to say you. If you were talking, you would get to say you and point at me. So there you go. I think we can both agree, though, that he's definitely talking about Lou. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. So what do we mean by helpless? We mean all. We have already charged, Romans 3, 9, that both Jews and Greeks are under sin. Everybody's under sin. Go back to your Old Testament verses. We've gone through this on, um, on Tuesdays. The, uh, Genesis 6. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great upon the earth and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. Jeremiah will go on to tell you that your heart is deceitful and wicked and you cannot understand it. Yeah. And by the way, if you're going, well, that was before the flood that he said that to Noah. He also said the same thing after Noah got off the boat. If there be people, there be sin. Right. Now and forevermore until Jesus comes back. Then the consummation of the age. But we're not there yet, so let's not jump ahead. Okay. So, while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. I got the hand thing going today. Yeah, I don't you're, know you're why. You're definitely Italian today. Yeah, apparently. 
For one will hardly die for a righteous man. This is where Paul starts making logical points. I love this. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man, someone would even or would dare even to die. I love this argument. So Christ is dying for the ungodly who are helpless. This is a big deal because you wouldn't even die for a good person. <laughs> right. I mean, he, he really wants the listeners to understand the gravity of what Christ came and did and, and the position that all mankind finds themselves in. Yes. See, you're in this position because you can't. You are incapable, and you're not good. No matter what you might think about yourself, you in and of yourself, are not good. Paul's going to go on to make this point in Romans 8. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. So we couldn't. We could not offer to God righteousness on our own behalf right we were incapable the law demonstrates the law comes down well the law is given down to demonstrate what holiness before god will look like and we looked at it and went i can break all those rules (laughs) challenge accepted you may not have thought it consciously but that's what you did right this is what you did paul makes this point you know the law comes and i die because you tell me don't covet you know what i start doing it's like, it's, like, it's like that bad movie. Every bad movie does this. They're on the bridge, the little, you know, chintzy rope bridge, and it's barely holding on by threads. they got to walk across the ravine. And what does every moron say? Don't look down. <laughs> and the minute you tell somebody on the chinky rope bridge not to look down, what do they want to do? First thing they do is look I down. I want to look down. Right. It's like, <laughs> like if I don't want my kids to eat the cookies we just made, you know what we don't do? You don't tell them about We don't cookies. tell them there's cookies. Because right. the minute we tell them we made cookies and you can't have one. <laughs> it's like the dog in the corner. They're drooling and, you know, <laughs> they're breaking out into hives because they're having cookie Wait withdrawals. Wait for you to look the other way so you can take yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, it's like, th- th- don't tell me I can't do it. That's why I don't like speed limit signs. Right. Because the minute you tell me I'm this straight highway and there's nothing around me for 8,000 miles and you go 55. Why? Sound like a Sammy Agar song. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Can't I can't drive 55. No, I can't do this. <laughs> It's like this. Um, th- there's this bridge in uh, in Louisiana on I-10. It goes across the Atchafalaya Swamp. Do you want to talk about a fun name? The Atchafalaya Bridge that goes Ooh, over the Atchafalaya came up Swamp. With that name. It's like 18 miles long. Okay. And for like long stretches of it, it's just two lanes. You know, because you're on this side, and then there's like swampland, and then there's two lanes over there. And about every four or five miles, there's a connecting point so that you can turn, so the police or emergency vehicles can turn around and get to people. But other than that, there's no – you can't get off the thing for 18 miles. And I was – we were driving out of Cameron and I were years ago, and it's like, why is this being with 55 on this bridge? What am I going to hit? Mm-hmm. A seagull? Mm-hmm. And I realized that there was no actual speed limit on the bridge because I was going 100, and people were passing me. <laughs> oh, it's, it's our version of the Autobahn, huh? Yes. It was like speed limits here were a suggestion. And I was like, okay. Cameron's like, I'm just – because Cameron was driving at one point, uh, one time going across. And she's like, I'm going 104 according to the GPS. And people are like, nyo, nyo. Man, you guys are floating. Yeah, it's like – but you're driving. There's like no – there's nothing out there. There's 10 miles before the next car, and you're like, what am I going to do? Hit something? Well, maybe hydroplane – it's the bridge. It's, no, it's like 40 feet above the water, above the swamp. Oh, my. There's nothing. It's just you and the guardrails. You're, 
it's, a, it's like a oh, bit, okay. It's like imagine if Rollerball were on cars. That's what it looks like. It's just you and the guardrails. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I've never seen it, or even. I think this is the first time I've heard of it. Yeah, it's the, I think it's the longest bridge in the United States. It's one of the ten or fifteen longest bridges in the I world. I thought there was one in Florida too, like that. I like this thing. This thing rolls. So okay. anyway, <laughs> yeah. There's the law. The law goes: don't speed. But I want to. Don't covet. But 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 but. See, you're coveting. Coveting. Think about that. Like the law says, don't you can't have that. And you're like, but I want to want to have it. <laughs> so you covet. Something your about our nature coveting. that's kind it of is. fallen, right? We're broken. And yeah. Paul makes this point in Romans. That's why I say, read Romans, it will do you good. Right. Paul makes this point: is one man's sin enters and it corrupts everybody. That's the right. entirety of chapter three. Yep. Now the point of this is, if there was a good person, and you understood this rightly, you might actually be willing to die for said good person because there's the one. Mm-hmm. Like, we found the dude! Mm-hmm. and But you'd still think about it, wouldn't you? You'd be like, you know... I kind of like living. Yeah, yeah, my miserable little life, I, you know? Yeah. It's like the joke I make, like, I don't want to lose any appendages because I'm kind of attached to my fingers. Mm-hmm. I've had them as long as I can remember, you know? It's, it's stuff like that. I kind of like being alive. You've had them since I, you were a kid, right? Yeah, <laughs> I've been alive as long as I can remember, and I'd like to stay that way. Yeah. So, I don't care how good you are, probably not. <clears throat> Jesus makes something better. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Mm. So here's the point. You, you wouldn't give your life for a good person. Right. Jesus gives it for scumbags. <laughs> That's a reoccurring theme of scripture. He could have started over very easily, but he didn't. He had a plan. And Christ was the lamb slain before the foundations of the earth. Exactly. So that goes to show that God knew beforehand that, that we were going to fall. Yeah, it was always the plan. Right. So, you know, God is a good God, and he's just, and he's sovereign, and he does things for his glory. So that's what, that's what we're all about. That's, and that's we're here for his glory. In this is love, 1 John 4. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. How? And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Big fancy theological word of the day, propitiation means to turn away wrath. So in your sin, the wrath of God abides upon you. But in Jesus, it doesn't. Right, and notice who the payment was to. A lot of people think... Oh, uh, don't give, don't, don't don't give even me the there. ransom. No. Don't give me ransom. <laughs> it's, it's a real problem it out is, there. It is, no, the ransom... The, for those of you who have no idea what we just talked about, Lou and I are discussing the ransom theory of the atonement. Now, I think you are in full agreement on we are primarily penal substitutionary atonement people. Yes. That we are imprisoned, enslaved. We owe a debt to God that we cannot pay. Christ pays that debt, hence the word propitiation. Right. Now, the ransom theory says that the world is held captive by Satan. Mm. And that Christ dies on behalf of people to pay the ransom. But that doesn't even make sense. No. Because Satan doesn't own us. Right. Well, he owns us but because we willingly submit and surrender to him. Because that's we are his offspring when we are in sin. Right. So at the end of the day, though, Satan's on a leash. And God holds the other end of it. Right. He doesn't own anything that God does not allow him to owe first. own first. The reason I bring that up <laughs> is if you read your scripture in context, you will notice the language that is used. The payment was due God. We offended God with our sin. Mm-hmm. He, on the other hand, overlooked those things, sent his son as a propitiation so that while we were yet sinners, we could be saved. 
this matters because again, Satan doesn't own you, not anymore, not in Christ. Right. Because and Satan doesn't own you because Jesus paid off Satan. He doesn't. If you're going to use the payoff analogy, Jesus pays off God. Right. The right. payment. The payment. Satan isn't the bookie. God's the bookie. We offended God with our sin, <laughs> yes. not Satan. We owed, we reneged on the debt that we owed to God, not to the devil. Christ pays that debt. Not only does he pay the debt, this is why I'm not a ransom theory guy. Christ doesn't just pay the debt because if he paid the debt, you would get a clean slate. Go and sin no more. How's that going to work out for you? Yeah, right after you walk away, you're exactly, going to start doing it again. Exactly, exactly. So Christ doesn't just pay the debt. He also provides us a righteousness by which we can stand before God. This is what Jude is getting out about in his doxology. So this is what's going on. This is what Paul is exegeting here in Romans. God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So while we were dead in our trespasses and sins that we read last week, Christ dies for us, offering himself on our behalf so that we will be cleansed and righteous. Not just clean going back, but clean going forward. Hence the reason for the language that Jesus uses. He demonstrates his love, because what does Jesus say is the greatest demonstration of love? Laying down your life for your friends. And what does Jesus then call his disciples to do? Love one another. Why? Because they are now righteous in his sight. They are now empowered by the Holy Spirit. They have now been declared clean and are called to live differently going forward. Mm -hmm. See, what separates us on this side of the cross from the Romans 1, 2, and 3 people is the work of Christ. Right. And that's where the hinge is being made here. Is from yeah. Romans 5 onward, Paul's going to explain, right, how do you now live in Christ? Because that's not you anymore. Right. You were dead, but now you're alive. Right. You a, were lost in sin. Yes. Now you are found in Christ. You were helpless. Now you are empowered by the Spirit. Paul makes that transition in Romans 4 and 5. And then the rest of the book is, how now, brown cow, shall thou live? Wow. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's that, and then there's that effectual calling that exactly. God calls us into relationship. Thus, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. See, this is important to who we are, how we live, and how we walk. Why is that? I'm hitting the button, and it's not doing what I want it to do. See, I'm, I'm scrolling <laughs> through. I'm you. telling you, you, you almost like we knew what we were doing or something. <sighs> This is of this is let's, let me okay, reset my brain. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. Notice the language. We're talking about a then and a now. This is a cleansing then, a cleaning then, and a cleansing and a cleaning now, which is going to be a cleansing and a cleaning that is finally completed in the future. So the point that you're making is you are redeemed righteously to walk in righteousness. Right. You are not called to sit there. Paul's going to really hammer that in Romans 6. But for our purposes, the point of this salvation is that it is accomplished by God, and then you live differently, not the other way around. Right. You don't live differently so that God will save you. Yeah, you said it well this weekend when Uh-oh. when you, you were talking about the commandments. You know, We're going through Exodus 20, and you said, I got news for you. Things have not changed. <laughs> no. And so it's the same as it was when God first instituted all of these things. Who is that? Talking Heads Theology. Same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. Nice. Same as it ever was. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it, it applies, and people need to recognize that there's an order of salvation. 
Exactly. And Paul makes this point here. He expands on this Corinthian church. <laughs> According to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds upon it. No man can lay a foundation other than that, other than the one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Is. This is your point. According to the grace of God, which was given to me. Because remember, you are saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves and not of works, so that no man may boast. Right. We covered that last week. Hello. I thought you turned that down earlier. I did. <laughs> you have mailed. <laughs> now, according to the grace of God given to me, so Paul has been saved. Therefore, he's now doing what? He is constructing a life in line with his new nature. Because you were dead, you are now alive. He who is in Christ is a new creation. Old things passed away, new have come. Yes. So you were building on your nature in sin. That's your Romans 1, 2, and 3. But now you are building on your life in a new nature, which is in righteousness. So you're building the foundation upon what? On Christ. On the works of Christ. Christ is that foundation. Right. You're now building upon it. If you build on anything else, you're back into 2 John territory. You don't have the Son, and if you don't have the Son, you don't have the Father either. You've lost everything. This matters for us then, it matters for us now, and it's going to matter for us moving forward. Paul again makes the same point to the Ephesians. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, so in other words, you're not the son of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, now you are light. In the Lord, walk as children of light. Interesting. Figure this out. Great language, too. I'm Think gonna... through this. You were dead. You were dark. You are now alive. You are now light. And walk. And this right? is what, and John says the same thing. Right. How can you say you have fellowship with the light while walking in darkness? That's right. It's just, it's just a proof that you don't have the light. You don't know God. You which don't means, know the people of God if you're walking which that Which means way. what's your foundation if you're walking in darkness? It's, it's, it's not based on Christ. It's, now. Aside, because this is where people fall off into the ditches. Okay. We want to thread the needle. We want to drive in the middle of the highway and not go into the swampland. So no atrophalia swimming today. Okay. <laughs> no jumping off the forty foot. Uh. Yeah, this 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 stuff matters. We did not hear me clearly. We did not say you will be perfect. Right. We didn't say you won't sin. Right. What we said was you will desire and seek to live righteously. Doesn't mean you'll always have success. Doesn't mean you won't find yourself going, man, what just happened? Right. But it does mean that your foundation is good in Christ, and when those things are revealed to you, you go, this is no good. I've got to get back to basics and work on who I am, how I'm living, and why I'm living like that. Well, and when we have an intercessor in Christ, yes. and when we fall and we fail, we, we pray, and he forever lives to make intercession on our behalf. And so we don't... I mean, someday, you know, the first epistle of John, it talks about that someday we're going to see Christ for what he is and that we are going to be just like him. But until then, until that second coming, until we have our resurrection bodies, we live in a body that we sometimes sin. Yes. And so we just need to remember that his mercies are new each day and we need to try every day to get back on the middle of that road, like you just said, and walk out our faith with fear and trembling. And to, to your point, you want to go to First John? First John 2. Little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Right. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate. 
with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation, the one who turns away wrath. Why aren't you afraid of going to the Father in your sin? Because you have Christ who turns away that wrath. You have Christ who has said, no, this one, even though he has sinned, is not dirty and filthy. This one is mine, and he is clean. That's right. That's what you have. And he is a propitiation for our sins. That is the thing that makes the difference. What separates us from the pagan is not the fact that we're perfect. It's that we have Christ and that he is perfect. Yes. And he sits at the right hand of the Father and he says, that one's mine. And that one is being guided by the Spirit. And that one is being strengthened by our work. And that one will make it to the end because we will ensure him. Yeah, That's what's going on. We we need to take notice of the language too, of who is making intercession. It's not Mary, it's Jesus. Now and forever. And and his work will have success and will bear fruit. How do I know that? Verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. See, that's that right there is the righteousness we're talking about earlier, is that we have the righteousness of Christ, his life given for us. If he was willing to die for our sins while we were wicked and filthy and shaking our fists at him, how much more willing is he to redeem us and carry us along now that he has cleansed us? That's the point Paul is making here, is he has done this. Do you think he's going to go to all that trouble and then go, all right, you people are on your own. I'm good here. I need a nap. Somebody bring me a fresca diet. That was the whole purpose of the of the helper that you know Christ talked about. I gotta go. If I don't go, then I can't send the helper. So he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Right. See, that's the point. God. This is why Paul could tell the Philippians, he who's be, who I am fully confident that he has begun a good work will complete it. This is why Paul can talk about running the race well, because he doesn't fear what's at the end of his race, because he has Christ. Mm -hmm. Ow. I just snapped my arm just enough that I actually pinched my own funny bone. My whole hand went numb. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that was weird. I didn't hit it. I just did that, and it actually popped. He's very very animated today. This is Ah. is a great, great Luckily, there's a table between us. Otherwise, you'd be in trouble. Yeah, be smacking (laughs) me around a bit. (laughs) Well, I'm not saying you shouldn't be. I'm just, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Now... But this is why Paul cannot fear because he, he's not going to close his eyes in death and wake up and go, okay, oh, now what? Now what? No, yeah. he's going to stand before God, as Jude again says, blameless with great joy because Christ has completed this work because the one who has begun it, the one who has promised from all these ages will complete it. He says the same thing to the Corinthians. Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. See, there's nothing to fear. There's nothing to worry about. Why? Because Christ will accomplish his work. He didn't go, God did not do all of this to get halfway through and go, you know, this is boring. I'm going to go get a hot dog and chill and, you know, see if there's a ball game on or something. This isn't worth it. <laughs> uh, and where is that Diet Fresca? <laughs> right. All whiny people drink Diet Fresca. That's my new theory on life. Okay. That's just, I have no basis for that other than my own imagination, I but I have decided. I don't think I've ever tried one of those. I'm, I'm channeling my inner, Yule, my inner Yule Brenner. So it is said, so, so it is written, so it shall be done. So there you go. <laughs> and not only this, verse 11. 
but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. See, this is why we walk. What's the attitude of the person who recognizes all of this? It's worship right. in every avenue of your life. The, what else can you do? This is the, the Psalm 150. What do you do? I praise the Lord. With what? With everything. It's when? our new job. Everywhere. It's our new job. Yeah. This is who I am. This is what I do yeah. now and forevermore, which is, again, why I don't worry about what happens when you wake up and go, man, but I've been in sin. I get that. You're human. But you have an advocate. You have the propitiation that turns away the wrath of the Father. You have a Savior. You have a righteousness. You have all of these things in Christ. Build upon the foundation. You're like, I'm trying. Then you're good. Right. Keep trying. See, that's the answer. That's all I needed here. I'm trying. Then you're good. I worry about the people who don't try. The people who surrender because that means they're not standing on the firm foundation. They're like, what's the purpose? (laughs) Exactly. They're in a bad 80s action movie, and quicksand is the worst thing that could happen to you. Right. See, as a kid growing up, I thought quicksand was going to be a big deal because every bad movie, every bad action movie had a quicksand scene. (laughs) (laughs) And then you find that as an adult, like, you just swim and you're okay. Man, they made it sound like it was death. But anyway, that was was the list of things that were going to kill you. It was like scorpions, cobra bites, and and sand, and uh, quicksand. You were done. There was no overcoming it. You swim out of it, huh? That's yeah. Quicksand. It's it's basically uh, wa- it's basically uh, loose sand that has been too waterlogged in the bottom. Uh-huh. So there's there's actually no solid ground into it, and it feels solid when you step on it, but it becomes liquid as you move through because you compress it and sink. So all you got to do is relax and swim, and you're fine. I had no idea. I've yeah. been watching too many movies. Yeah. They say if you move, you're going to just go yeah, down that's like it, a Exactly. Brick. Somebody's got to throw you a vine or Sylvester Stallone's got to dive in the hole after you. Yeah. No, no, no. You just swim and you'll be fine. You're fine. Just swim. <laughs> <coughs> all will be made Doggy fine. paddle. Yeah, I only doggy paddle. <laughs> that's all you need. And if you have on your, your giant size hands, you can doggy paddle quite well out of it. Now, you may be sitting at home going, didn't we do salvation last week? Yes. You would be right. Don't give me that look. You needed to hear it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> First. Second. We stuttered. <laughs> no. Second. What else do you want to talk about? This is good stuff right here. I mean, this right. is this is encouragement in Christian living, right? And, and if you haven't noticed, we could use some encouragement in the world. Yeah, for I sure. Mean, they, let's see. We've got war in the Middle East. We've got no gas on the East Coast. <laughs> yeah, they got people just draining the, the pump dry. and We've got man, inflation. We've You name it, we got it. It's kind of like when the COVID started, everybody went and bought toilet paper. Like, that's the necessity in life. Well, yeah, I, was, I mean, um, my, where, my, uh, where my in-laws live in North Carolina, they're, mm-hmm. they're reporting in metropolitan areas, 70 to 80% of gas stations have no gas. Yeah. So, yeah, so we need some encouragement. Life is a little funky right now. Now, I tell you that story also because we have to tell you this story. You ready, Lou? I'm ready for it. East, have you seen this yet? No. Oh, I get to share. Oh, I, hang on. I want to make sure I get this set up so I can see the look on your face when I read this. <laughs> I'm, I'm listening. Esteemed and highly regarded United States Senator, the Right Reverend Raphael Warnock of oh, the beloved state of Georgia. Mm-hmm. I remember this guy. Yeah. Tweeted on Easter Sunday. Mm-hmm. You ready? I'm ready. The meaning of Easter is more transcendent than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Whether you are a Christian or not, through a commitment to helping others, we are able to save ourselves. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) That's a Baptist pastor. Yeah, I remember who he is now. I saw his name on the paper. I was like, I know that name. I know that name. Georgia. Georgia. 
Georgia. Yeah. What you doing, Georgia? <laughs> right. I, okay. There is so much wrong Man, with that statement. Theology is messed okay. up. First of all, the meaning of Easter is more transcendent than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What could be more? Nah. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, that's my that's my highfalutin Yosemite Sam response. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh-uh. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Sassafrasa. Yes, I mean, that's my answer. Easter is about more than the resurrection. Wait a minute. No. No, 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 it isn't. If he didn't. No, it's literally about the the resurrection. We're still dead in our sins, man. Take the resurrection out of Easter, and what am I honestly left with? Jesus is somewhere. Hide the eggs. (laughs) I mean, seriously. Yeah. Then it is bunnies and chocolate, because what else have you got? Got nothing. So, so no, the meaning, of Easter, either. the meaning of Easter is more transcendent than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I like how he throws the word transcendent in there. Yeah. Like it makes it sound like it's intelligent. Oh, it's no. higher than the meaning. There's more going on than the resurrection. No, literally there isn't. That's why we actually call it Resurrection Sunday. <laughs> we actually call it that because it actually, there, there is no secondary meaning. There's no... Like, there's no finding Waldo in the theology here. It's literally about the celebration of the resurrection. Yeah. So Scriptures so. all point to this. I mean, that's exactly <laughs> Paul's meaning, you know, according to the Scripture, that he died, according mm-hmm. to the Scripture, that he rose again, and that he ascended into the heaven. It's it's yes. all according to Scripture. And if none of those things happen, we're not saved. We're dead in Read our sins. 1 Corinthians 15. It will do you good. Right. And if you want to hear exactly what he's talking about, uh, go to the YouTube channel for for Calvary, and you'll find the sermon that we did on Easter this this year. Now, that's the first thing. So, the meaning of Easter is more transcendent than than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Whether you are a Christian or not, comma. Wait a minute. What does Easter mean to the non-Christian? Absolutely nothing. I mean, no offense, if you're Jewish, you reject Easter. It's meaningless to you because you don't think Christ is the Messiah. You missed right. your Old Testament prophecies. You, you didn't pay attention. You, you, you didn't catch all that. If you're a Muslim, you don't think that Jesus actually died on the cross. Right. Therefore, once because you don't think that a prophet of God, that you don't think that Allah would allow his prophet to be treated in such a shameful manner. Wasn't, <clears throat> wasn't Muhammad poisoned? I don't know. I can't keep that straight with the yeah. warlordish and the marrying kids thing. So Okay. No, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, if, I mean that logic doesn't follow through. No, it doesn't. How but, he himself died. Eh, well, but yeah. yeah, but that's the logic. So, so the, the 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 Muslim doesn't think that Christ actually died. Right. So if he doesn't die, then there's no resurrection. So they're down. So okay. Hindus, do they care about Easter? No, I don't think so. Buddhists don't hmm. care about Easter. Don't. Jesus is a good moral teacher, so yeah, they don't yeah, care. They believe about he's the, a good moral teacher, but, but that's they don't about buy it. the resurrection. So, so no, I think it matters if you're a Christian. I think of all the things that might matter, being a Christian on the celebration of Easter is probably on the top of the list. There, it's it's the only thing that really really matters. So, I mean, <clears throat> whether you are a Christian or not, through a commitment to helping others, we are able to save ourselves. He just jumped off the bridge there, didn't he? <laughs> now He's somewhere in a swamp right now. This is why we did two episodes on soteriology to have this conversation. Yeah. How are you saved? 
Because you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were helpless and ungodly. You were walking according to the prince of the power of the air. You were all of these things. What's the difference between what you were and what you are? Because it isn't your works. It's definitely the resurrection. It's Christ. Right. It's Christ and Christ alone. I mean, that's one of, uh, one of my favorite hymns. In Christ alone, my hope is found. Not anywhere else. I mean, you you just, there's no getting around this in any shape, form, or fashion. No. Salvation is by grace, through faith, in Christ. This is, if you ever want to, if you're always people like, I can't remember what the five solas are. Think of your order salutis. Think of your order of salvation. Sola gratia, sola fide, solus Christus, sola scriptura, sola Deo gloria. Huh? <laughs> sola gratia. I am saved by grace. Sola fide. Through faith. Solus Christus. In Christ. Sola scriptura. As taught to me in scripture. Sola Deo gloria. For the glory of God. That's the battle cry of the Reformation. That's what the reformers were recovering that had been set aside by the Roman Catholic Church in the Middle Ages Mm -hmm. as they had moved closer to being a governmental agency and away from being an actual Christian agent. They lose the gospel because when you walk away from the foundation of Scripture, you walk away from the knowledge of Christ, you're walking away from the Father, 2 John 7-11. through You're walking away from the firm foundation laid down by the apostles. You're building on something else, and that something else can't stand. That something else can't save. So what the Reformers are pointing us back to is, no, this is how God has operated. Look what Paul's explaining. That's why I read and gave you that quick little rundown on Romans first. You can't... You can't look at your Old Testament and go, well, they were saved by works. No, no, no they weren't. That's why when it comes, that's why I'm not a full covenantalist. Because I don't buy the covenant of works. The covenant of works was never a salvation by works. Mm-hmm. It was a blessing. Mm-hmm. They were always going to be the people of God until the Messiah came because God had promised. Mm-hmm. But God had also promised that his people, his true people, were always going to be of faith. That's how Abraham was saved. That's why Noah was redeemed. That's what separated Cain from Abel. That's what separated Seth's family from everybody else on the planet. That's what made David a success in his sin when Saul was a failure in his sin. It was the grace of God on those who had faith in his promises, faith in him, trust in his works. That was the dividing line. That was the demarcation, the high watermark. Yeah, but we, we sometimes disassociate faith with our actions. And I think Paul and James, they both clearly point that out. And that, we've been doing that. That faith, right. that faith leads because when you're building, again, right. when you're, the, the difference between the Christian and the pagan is the, the pagan sits on their foundation and you're like, well, that was terrible. And they're like, okay, yeah, so whatever. My bad, sorry. So you're going to do that again? I don't know. I don't think so. The Christian, when you point out their sin, goes, oh, man, I didn't want to do that and I'm sorry. How do I stop from doing that again? See, well, again, I'm not telling you to be sinless. I'm telling you to what? I'm telling you to put forth effort. Because the Holy Spirit is spurring you. Because mm-hmm. your love of God is empowering you. Because your desire for the godliness that Christ has promised you is overwhelming. So you effort. That's what this is all about. It's not about an accomplishment. It's about a working. Yeah. And that's the totality of it every single time. Without that, then you would be the pagan. Trying to climb, as was it was it Whitfield that said, trying to climb the ladder of sand to heaven. Yes, I do believe I've read that. Yep. <laughs> and that's not going to work out well for you. That's worse than quicksand. That's where the quicksand is a danger. Yeah. Although not really, because if you try to climb the ladder of sand, it's not like you're going to get halfway up of it before it gives out. 
it's going to give away pretty quick. Right. So maybe it's not that dangerous. It's just futile. There it is. That's a good word. <laughs> it's a good Bible word. Futile in their speculations and their futile, foolish hearts are darkened. Yeah. See, this is the difference. So whether you're Christian or not, through a commitment to helping others, we are able to save ourselves. I can't do enough good works. I can't balance the scale. My debt is not owed to Satan. My debt is not owed to the world. When David's caught in his sin with Bathsheba, what does he say? Against you, God, and you only have, have I, I sinned. sinned. That's where... My iniquity is revealed. My iniquity isn't revealed against you people. You deserved it. <clears throat> no offense here. Let's say the dirty little, let's say the nasty part out loud. Uriah deserved to have his wife cheat on him and the king murder him. Because Uriah was a sinner. He deserved it. That's what you deserve in this world. Mm. You deserve rotten. The only reason you don't get rotten is the grace of God. David hasn't sinned against Uriah. He's executed the judgment of God. There you go. Congratulations. David sinned against God, violating the commandments, not being content with the work that God has accomplished. There you go. Yeah, I can see that. Don't cheat on your wife and have her husband murdered. <laughs> Feel like you got to throw that disclaimer out, disclaimer out there. Yeah. I'm not saying what David Too did bad was we have to. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying what David did was good. No. I'm just saying what he did, take God out of the picture and explain to me why what he did to Uriah was bad. Well, first of can't. all, first of all, you know the two great commandments, love God and love your neighbor. Mm -hmm. And if you don't love your neighbor, how can you even say that you love God who you can't see? But that's, so, my, but that's my point. If you take God away, explain why what David did to Uriah was bad. Right. You, you, you really can't. You can't. Yeah, outside, yeah, outside of an absolute truth. That's I, why David can sit there and say, against you and you only have I sinned. One of my favorite, favorite passages. Because he's recognizing that what I... He's, and he's saying that he has done something wrong, but he's recognizing the biggest problem is that not that... The biggest problem is not that Uriah has died. If Uriah was faithful, if Uriah was trusting in God, Uriah is okay. Mm -hmm. right. Doesn't say that makes it right. David's biggest problem is he has broken the relationship between himself and God. Yeah. He has harmed his spirit. He has walked away and turned aside. And he now needs the grace and covering. He needs a savior. Right. You know, he, he, his actions in that moment demonstrate why God could say that David is a man after mm -hmm. his own heart because he was a repentant man. Exactly. And he recognized that he failed and he repented quickly. And notice, the call isn't, all right, tell me the good things I got to do to make up for this. It's God, I need you. Mm -hmm. I need you to cleanse me, you to wash me. Again, he needs a savior. There's not a good work that can be done. There's not a, a money that can be given. There's not a charitable, a charitable act that can be undertaken that will make any of this better. David's stuck. Yeah. Unless yeah. God He's redeems. He He's is. lost without God. Again, what separates those who are dead in their trespasses and sins from those who have sinned and found grace? The work of Christ. Absolutely. And that's the only difference. That's the whole point. So this, saving yourself. Now, why do we point this out? Because I mentioned... I can't believe he said that. Yeah, I mean, he put it out. Now, he had to delete it because people, like, were killing him. Rightly so. I hope he's looking for a new job in his church. Oh, please. Please, no. He preaches at one of the liberal churches in Atlanta. Okay. So they're probably like, yeah, right on. Steeped in liberation theology and the whole nine yards. Oh, that, that's exactly what it sounded like. Now, the reason we point this out is why is this a big deal? Well, because, again, we made mention of this. I think Cameron and I talked about this a while back. That something like 80% of Congress claims to be Christian. To which we all go, no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because there's one. There's one that would claim, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah. That's not Christian theology. That's not biblical theology. But I repeat myself. If you can't ground your theology in the Bible, 
you can't call it Christian. See how that works? That's your sola scriptura. How do you know about Jesus? It's in a Bible. What's the foundation of the apostles? It's scripture. Everything is written in the New Testament from the apostles. You have the foundation of the apostles given to you. Take that away, you lose not some of it. You lose all of it. Mm -hmm. This is the evil of the world. All right, don't be mad at me. I'm using this term technically. This is the bastardization of Christian theology. This takes it in. This takes Christian theology and makes it an illegitimate child. It's be- syncretism, as well. Well, because it, is. it because removes it's... it removes any actual foundation from Scripture and puts theology and salvation in you. You're now the idol. I can do the works. I'm Jesus. I can save me. I can commit to doing nice things. I can humbly, whether you're that is so whether you're deceptive. Muslim, whether you're Hindu, as long as you're as long as you're a good person. It, once again, like you said, you lie to yourself yes. more than anyone else. But when you have that kind of theology, you are lying to yourself, and the truth is not in you. Now, catch the refutation of biblical theology, though. I can do all this because I'm what? In Christ. No, no, no. The, from the world's perspective, oh, I, okay. I can do all this because I'm a good person. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fundamental starting point last week in Ephesians 2 is you were what? You're not a good person. No, you were dead in your Fundamental starting point of Romans 5 this week. You're not a good person. Right. No matter what you think of you, the truth of the matter is, and again, if you want proof, go read any human being in the Bible. Go read about them. Have fun. Find me the good one. David's not a good person. There's only one. Exactly. He's Jesus. There's no good people. There's sinful people. Um, it's an Artaxerxes sermon quote. I don't know how Artaxerxes is doing. He had a, a moral failing a few years ago. I hope he's doing better. But he goes, God doesn't save good people because good people don't need to be saved. <laughs> right, right, right. And he also points out that when God got me, he wasn't getting something good because I'm not good. I can't be good. I'm dead in my trespasses and sins apart from Christ. Apart from the awakening work of the Holy Spirit, I am walking after my father, the devil, the prince of the power of the air, walking in the, as the sons of disobedience, being the offspring of the serpent. All of those things, all of those straight line ideas connecting in scripture, pointing out that you belong to something. Hmm. You're a slave to your sin or you are redeemed and set free to work in service of God. Hmm. And that's the difference. This is, this is the breakdown and what gets lost is the world will accept anything, anything but biblical Christianity. Yeah, I began to, well, I've known that for a long time, but it's never become more apparent than it has in the days that we're living. And, and you just look in Canada, you look at Warnock, you, everywhere you look, they are tearing things apart. If you are a believer, you could be arrested tomorrow. Yeah, they won't. They will. They will not abide by that. They don't. Ask, they don't want to hear the scripture. If you ask yourself, if I say they won't abide by that, and you ask, "What is that?" Just pick something. Pick something that is biblically faithful, and the answer is the world won't abide by that. Right. Whether it's your definitions of marriage, whether it's your definitions of the role of government, your understanding of biology, your understanding of how you talk and how you walk and how you're even saved. They'll look at you and say, why do you have to be so narrow-minded about your salvation? Because God's narrow-minded about salvation because he will not share his glory with another and he will not allow you to take credit for the work that he has accomplished. That's the difference. They won't abide by that. And you're going to continue. You're going to see more of this because for a while, I think, I think the world was content to leave Christianity alone in this country. Oh, no. But they're yeah. not. 
They're oh. not now. I mean, they, they're they a progressive movement, so they are on the war agenda. path. Oh my they're goodness. on the war path, and you know what's going to stop them? Jesus. Right. Nothing short of that. Right, the second coming. I get and it. until then, what do we do? We walk faithfully, yeah. but you are still called to give a defense, to walk in hope, and to walk in faith, and to demonstrate charity and love. How do I do that? By knowing for certain who you are, why you're that way, and what you should be doing in light of it. So that when you see and hear something like that, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Au contraire, mon frère. That is not how we are saved in this gospel. We are saved by grace, through faith, in Christ, shown to us in the scriptures, like the good Frenchmen that we are. <laughs> Don't ask me why we're doing that now, He's but we channeling are. channeling Frenchmen. <laughs> yes. There's got to be a good French theologian somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere. They put down their wine long <clears> enough <throat> to do good theology at some point in history. Calvin. Calvin, Calvin was I'm French. I was just going to say Calvin. Yes. He put down the wine long enough. Oh, this is a beautiful match. By grace of faith, you are saved. That sounds like Pepe Le Pew. Yeah, well, you know. Oh, see, the, the, the word is onion. That's the word that if you want a good, bad French accent, and yes, I, I meant what I just said, the word is onion. If you you squance the nose and then you'll get the onions, and once you have the word onion in your mind, you will be able to say all of the words like you are a bad Frenchman. This is how this works, and you imagine it, and you are saved by grace through faith in Christ. You can only imagine what our <laughs> listeners are thinking right now. Make it stop! Make it stop! Make the bad bit. Show me on the doll where the bad theologian hurt you. <laughs> and that's what they're thinking. There you go. So yeah, be prepared. This is the garbage the world is going to throw at you. And if you're not thinking about this and you're not preparing for it, we're going to go, huh? Wait a minute. No, no, no. And, but, and it's too late. It's, it's too gone. Late. Yeah. No, we've got to be, and, and it's not just for them. It's not for the world. This is for our people because this is how we get plucked off. This is how our fellowships get demolished as people go, well, that wasn't that bad. No, no, no. It was demonic and from the seventh ring of hell. It was that bad. It was. Because it's, for what it is. It's undermining what Christ is. What do you mean what Christ is? Well, it's undermining what he has done, and what he has done is a product of who he is. It is, and then you can walk through. Why are we saved? How are we saved? Where is that flowing from? Hopefully we've given you a bit of an idea on how to do that, walking through some scripture because this stuff matters. This is what Jesus is doing, and this is why he's doing it because this is who he is. Mm -hmm. He's demonstrating love because he is love, because he's God, and God is love. See how this all works? Mm -hmm. That's why he calls us to love. He doesn't call us to love so that we'll save ourselves. He calls us to love because his love is now in us, and we can proclaim it. So have we missed anything? I think we were pretty good. All right, so what have we learned here today, children? God saves. God alone. God saves sinners. And sinners are helpless before God without his work. Right. We can't save ourselves. We can't. Questions, comments, complaints. If you have advice on bad French accents, send that to info at (laughs) practicaltheologyministries.com. You can go to the website, find all the fun stuff, all the good little things that you want to find there. Um, Share with your friends and neighbors. We appreciate you guys. If you have questions, again, send them. We don't mind. We enjoy it. I get a kick out of watching who downloads from where each each uh, each week. We have a Taylor, we have at least one Tasmanian listener, and I just think that's the most we, appropriate we love thing you. in the planet. Yes, you're our favorite, just <laughs> yeah. so you know. Of all the people, you're the favorite. So awesome. Yes. So until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye. <laughs>